doing? Well, that's Hockey Radio's Green Room Live post-game. My name is Bill Matz. I am your director of fun and games for the evening. Whew, close call there, fam. Flyers tie it up in the third period. Thought we might be uh, on our way to another overtime loss and a loser point in the old standings, but they came through for us. What was it tonight? They gave up a goal. Immediately after scoring one, uh, Oscar Lindblom gets the Flyers on the board at 8.09 of the third period, his eighth of the year. You know, good for Oscar. Sanheim picks up an assist. TK, another assist. He's been looking good. And it's like, oh, here we go. Another overtime game, probably an overtime loss. Just that stupid single point in the standings. But, oh, no, the Flyers, they came through as they always do for us. Oscar scored at 8.09 at 8.51. Vladimir Tarasenko, his 19th of the season, to give St. Louis a 2-1 lead, a lead in which uh, they would not relinquish. Barbashev and Saad added uh, empty netters at the end, and that was all she wrote, a 4-1 loss for the Flyers. Um, Can't say I was as impressed tonight with the effort, uh, just the overall the overall hockey product as I have been the last few games. Of course, it's a back-to-back. Martin Jones starting a back-to-back. Carter Hart's still out with the eye infection. So you kind of expect maybe a little bit of a letdown, especially after the wind gets taken out of their sails in overtime last night. But for the most part, I'm seeing what I want to see. I'm seeing guys like Oscar Lindblom, Travis Konechny, Travis Sanheim, Uh, continue to look like, you know, they belong. And if they end up staying here after the season, I believe Scott Lawton will definitely stay. Um, But Sanheim, Konechny, we don't know. Uh, These guys could easily be involved in trades, and if they are, so be it. But uh, either way, like, I want to see either their value increase so that they can get something for these former first-round picks or – they're actually decent enough players worth keeping around. So either way, you want to see them do well, and they've been uh, lately. Oscar Lindblom, obviously, we all root for Oscar Lindblom. And he is a necessary – him being what he's supposed to be. And, like, those, all those goals he scored uh, prior to the cancer diagnosis, I'm not going to say fluky. Like, he scored them. He earned them. But his thing was always like he's in the best position and doesn't always finish. Uh, But his ability to win battles and be in the right spot and just kind of create offense uh, through the neutral zone and get to the right places like Oscar Lindblom on a third line. Absolutely stupendous. So uh, we want to see those things moving forward. But we also, at least me, I want to see them continue to lose. And they do so again tonight for the sixth consecutive time. The Flyers have two wins, I believe, in their last 21 games. Uh, Their only two wins of 2022, this being 2-22-22. I thought that was fun. Uh, But, uh, you know, they're horrible. What else is there to say about them, really? So let's hear what everyone else has to say about this game. Let's lead things off with Harris Barnes. Harris, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. How are you tonight, Harris? Uh, Doing fine. Um, Isn't that, like, basically the perfect loss for you? Like, yes play well i mean obviously a lot of teams still didn't play well but like they play well enough they fight and they still lose in regulation 
that's the perfect loss, right? Yeah, I, I just want to see like the guys I care about play well. Like if Keith Yandel continues to play like shit, good. Uh, but like, yeah, like Oscar Lindblom, TK, Travis Sanheim, like these are the guys we want to see if there's something moving forward. Uh, you know, Isaac Ratcliffe, is he an NHL player? Like stuff like that. That's what the season's about from here. Um, and with like Sanheim and Konechny, uh, what do you, if you're the GM, if you're Chuck Fletcher, what do you do with them? Do you keep them? Do you trade them at the deadline, trade them at the draft? I think because of the uh, the term on their deals, it's not really a deadline thing. I think in season teams are looking to add rentals for the most part. Um, I'm not all that connected to anyone on this team. I do think just like the way this team is put together right now, um, you're going to have to keep one of Sanheim or Provorov. Like one of those guys has to stay because your defense right now, like you have Sanheim and Provorov. And then what? Like York and Ellis? Like that's what you're looking at next year. You need two defensemen. One of them needs to be a top-line guy no matter what. So, uh, you know, if they're able to pull off trades, good. I'm not – I'm just looking for good returns. If they can get good players in return, they can trade absolutely anybody. Uh, But it's it's trying to, like, look at what they have to put a roster together – like they're going to have to keep some of these guys. And if the guys they keep around, like I want to see them play well. Um, and then here, here's a question of the teams that are not currently in the playoffs. So that would include Dallas and Anaheim. They're currently in Winnipeg. They're not in the playoffs. And then everyone who's worse than that. Um, which team do you think is the most interesting to follow at the deadline in terms of what they're going to do? That's that going to set the market and change like the outcome of the playoffs the most. I think uh, I saw tonight, I saw some report that it looks like JT Miller is imminent. Mm -hmm. So that right there uh, with Vancouver, they're interesting. Vancouver has good young pieces they're looking to build around, and they're kind of one of those teams over the last couple years that was like, all right, we have the good young pieces. Let's invest in some some veterans. So maybe they move some of those veterans. And Dallas, I mean, shit, that like if a Klingberg or something is on the move for Dallas – they have they have some veteran pieces that would be cool to watch too. So that's seeing the JT Miller news tonight. Like, all right, I I don't want because whoever gets him is probably out of the Giroux sweepstakes. So I don't want them to set the market, but also I want to see things start to fall. And like, if that's the first domino that has to go, uh, then okay, then we start to get a better idea of what to expect in return for Giroux. Um. And with Klingberg, like, where do you think he goes? I mean, for me, I think Florida makes a lot of sense because they need that extra D-man, but they already have a lot of right shots, too. I mean, he could play the opposite side. And, like, obviously Tippett's going the other way because, like, Florida wants to get rid of Tippett. Yeah, uh, Florida, like, everyone could always use an extra defenseman around the deadline. Like, that's if they're going to get a good return for him. So Florida, you know, they're one of these elite teams, and they have to come out of that absolute buzzsaw uh, in the Atlantic Division in these playoffs. So, you know, you're going to have to get by one of Tampa or Toronto at some point. I assume, you know, Tampa, but, you know, uh, probably the Boston Bruins, too, who are, you know, proven team even though they're going to slot into that wild card so we'll see but i think like that uh those atlantic division teams i all i expect them all to make some pretty uh some pretty heavy moves like with with Giroux, i don't really see him going to carolina or florida 
because I think they already have enough forwards. I mean, I guess technically can't use too many. I just don't see Giroux um, slotting in in the right spot and possibly messing up the lines a little bit. And that's why I see him going out West and really adding to another team's um, yeah, and scoring depth. They're saying like with his agent talking to teams, it's about, you know, not just about, are you looking at an extension or uh, all, but it's also how is he going to be used? And he clearly wants ice time. He clearly wants to, you know, factor into this uh, to a team's playoff run. He doesn't want to go somewhere like maybe a Carolina or Florida with a ton of forwards. Now it's not like Colorado's hurting for talent at all, but you could slot him anywhere in their top two or three lines, and like it's it's Claude Giroux playing with extremely skilled players. Like I see that fitting a little better. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. But it's man, it's still a month away, and it's killing me. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's good that they're they're going to keep losing games, but they're not looking as atrocious as, as it did right before AV got fired because like that was just hopeless and like there's it was so inevitable what was going to happen. Like they're losing a bunch now and like everyone knows what's going on, but at least like there is some fight, there is some pushback. You just kind of wish that Wade Allison was up right now because like he would fit how they want to play to a T. It's just like he just can't stay healthy. Yeah, like I wish Allison was here. I wish York was here. And thanks a lot, Harris. Appreciate it. Like I wish some more of these guys, Tyson Forster, but just not in the cards right now. I wish we were getting a look at some of them. It would it would make watching these games seem like less of a waste of time. Uh, nope, no sneeze. It's not coming. It will later, but uh, false alarm there. Uh, yeah, like I, it would seeing some of the younger guys in the lineup. It would make these games seem like less of a waste of time, but it's kind of part of what this shit wasted season is like, yeah, not only are we horrible, a bunch of our young guys are hurt and not in the lineup and it's killing us. So, you know, it, it all sucks. Chris Toff, Chris, you're live on the post game. You know, you would have an eye infection too, if you had to watch this team play in front of you all, all the time. Yeah. But, uh, are they I guess it's just eye infection like god damn it like Carter uh, but you know what it, like Martin Jones played well tonight trade him immediately because he's yeah. been pretty bad lately uh hopefully someone watched this game tonight and went oh yeah we could use Martin Jones and they'll give up a fourth round pick for him or something so uh it's it is what it is Carter Hart's better and I guess if the idea is to lose then playing the worst goalie isn't the worst thing in the world. That's right. We're back in the bottom five. Woo! Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a real battle for this uh, for like the three, four, five, six spot. Uh, who who really? Because like Montreal and Arizona are just the absolute worst. And then yeah, it's Seattle, Jersey, Philly, Buffalo, all kind of all right. Stuck together like Seattle, I think probably is the least talent. But shit, how can you not say it's Philly at this point with the injuries? So which, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Which every time I know I say this, like, how did we get here? It's it's a rhetorical question, <laughs> but like, <laughs> how is this possible? Like I'm like watching watching the uh, the expansion draft and seeing what was going on and being like, wow, Seattle is just um, and like I think there's a reason for what they did. I think they uh, like 
they didn't want anyone else's mistakes. They want to be free to make their own. They're going to get out of a bunch of the contracts they do have in the next year or two. They'll have all sorts of cap flexibility. They have all their assets, all that stuff. But like just looking at Seattle's team, I was like, fuck, they are horrible. Um, through 52 games, Seattle is a negative 50 goal differential. Through 51 games, the Flyers have a negative 51 goal differential. Like, they're as bad as a team that got drafted of, uh, you know, scrubs this year, and they've had the exact same results. Yeah, this the this Flyers team is worse than the Flyers team that Hackstall coached, and 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 almost as bad as the current team that he coaches in Seattle, which. Is, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> but but let me. I just got a couple more things. Uh, who and I'm all for the tank train or whatever we're calling this. I'm happy to see them lose and collect no points. Who is more frustrating though to watch, TK or Keith Yandel? I just like TK does good things, uh, and just he seems I don't know what what his issue is with shooting the puck right now, but at least it looks like his game is starting to come around. Otherwise. Keith Yandel, like literally, I wish they were playing a forward at defense or anything, <laughs> uh, like any ridiculous scenario you could come up with. Which we've done. Like, oh, when when you say just take a player out of the stands, you're being facetious. No, I'm not. Take a fucking guy, take the tallest guy in the stands and put skates on him and make him the sixth defenseman. Keith Yandel's one of the worst players I've ever watched play. <laughs> He's got that Iron Man, though. All right, everybody, yeah. just remember, we are what we are. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. Yeah, like And, like, the season is so beyond complaining about Keith Yandel. But watching him tonight, I just the, – the Drew stick tap, the, the Drew little thing, like that little slash stick tap with, with Yandel behind the net. Drew creates a five-on-fours breakout situation. Yandel just skates the puck up the middle. The Flyers have numbers because the other guy's collecting his stick and then has to catch up. And then Yandel just ices the puck. Like, he's so bad. Uh, Using him with the net empty, I'm like, why not just put five guys out there? What's the difference? Using him on the power play, pointless. Uh, Warren Brody, Warren, you're live on the post game. So three losing streaks, 29 games in total. That is amazing. Congratulations, Flyers. I mean, that's just amazing. I mean, they've uh, won, yeah, like two of the last 21 or 22 games. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, this is – I never would have thunk it. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is, uh, uh, you know, we we don't – we have just a bunch of third and fourth liners out on the ice right now. So I don't, I don't know how we're going to win any games. This is amazing. No, and that, like we talked about it last night, they're only going to get worse. Like, Giroux's going to get traded. Ristolainen's going to get traded. Like, but I think some of these guys are checking out. I, I've been watching Giroux. He is not doing much right now. And it's just, yeah, you know, the, the one thing that was amazing tonight, last year we had this problem that every game we would get a score goal and then the other team would come back and score. Well, now all of a sudden happened tonight. What, 10 10, 15 seconds after we went ahead. Yeah, it, it, happened, just... it happened immediately. It's been a problem for years. It continues to be a problem. Like, it's just. It, it's just need... like a, a rerun of a bad movie. I, it's incredible. 
Yeah, they just need uh, they need a big organizational overhaul to in to help change the culture of this team. I think I mean, this like aggressive retool will help. Like if they bring in a bunch of good players, you know, they'll be better. But, but how until do you, something how do you changes have, at the top, yeah. How do you lose this much and then come back next year and all of a sudden forget about this? I mean, this is part of their culture right now. It's really uh it's unbelievable. I, yeah, I, I don't say. know. I don't know, Warren. I don't like I that's and that's part of like I keep saying they have to you know, if they're going to pull off this aggressive retool, that's all well and good. But it's not like you can just change the lineup entirely. You have to bring some of these guys back. And those players that you're thinking about bringing back have all the stink of the last couple of years on them. Sure, this team would be better with Couturier and Hayes. And if you want to throw Ellis in there, I guess. But God knows if he's even alive at this point. Like, I don't know. Um, like... Uh, how do you change the culture with so many leftovers? That's good question. Dan Allen, Dan, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill, I haven't talked to you in a while. How you been? Yeah, how's it going, Dan? Good, good. I last time I called in, uh, Steph was running the show. <laughs> it was a good time. Um, I got a couple uh, remember whens to throw at you. Remember when the Flyers spent like five years in a row drafting nothing but defensemen high in the uh, draft. And now all we have to show for it is Provorov and Sanheim who are just guys. Yeah. Uh, like, and that's maybe, you know, as much as like, Oh yeah, it'd be nice if German Rubstov was like close to an NHL player. If TK was better. You know, Nolan Patrick worked out. Morgan Frost looked better. Like it'd be nice if all those things were true, but yeah, it was an organizational directive to load up on defense. You know, they went Moran and Haig, then they went uh, Sanheim, then they went Provorov, and they've got nothing to show for it. They had Gosses Bear in the system. He's gone. Like, they they have no defense. They need an entirely new defense next season. Like, I, I don't care if Ivan Provorov looks like a number one defenseman when he's next to another top pair defenseman. Well, guess what? It's a contact sport. So you're telling me – Basically, if one guy gets hurt, we lose two guys. All right, that means he's not a top-pair defenseman, which means you need two of them. Like, he's just a second-pair defenseman. Sanheim's looking like the best of the bunch right now. Not that that's saying much. He looks good. Uh, I wouldn't mind keeping Sanheim around, depending on what you may or may not be able to get for him in the offseason. But this defense is just completely devoid of anything useful. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been critical of Sanheim a lot, but uh, you know, if I'm pick, picking one of them to keep between him and Provorov, I'm I'm keeping Sanheim at this point. And maybe hopefully hoping another team looks at Provorov and goes, "Oh, look, he plays 27 minutes a night. He must be great." Yeah, look you at know? these gaudy minutes numbers. Like that's what yeah, that's what that's what you have to hope they see. Like, oh yeah, remember that time he had all those power play goals? Like yeah, they were all like seeing eye shots. Yeah, and my other remember when is uh, you know Warren was just talking about culture remember when hextall the hextall plan was not to bottom out in order to avoid this exact situation from happening and now here we are and we got a, that cultural losing that we didn't you know that we avoided bottoming out to avoid and it's here you know they've won one two three four five seven games since let's see here 
since November 18th, they've won seven games. Like we've had multiple federal holidays since then. <laughs> like they're they're a horrible team playing in an empty stadium uh, with with no hope of improvement in sight. And they're going to have to go out and spend a bunch of money this offseason to make up for it. Like, they are living the exact scenario that that Ron Hextall wanted to avoid. You're absolutely right. Yeah, man. It's just, you know, anybody, any any scouts who are scouting this team right now, you know, uh, you know, you see Giroux, you know, you see, you know, positives that, that Ristolainen brings, you know, that, you know, a team might want, you know, the physical physicality of the playoffs. Uh, but other than that, you're seeing, you know, you're seeing Provorov on the ice for like seemingly every backbreaking goal. You know, you're seeing Konechny, you know, playing, you know, he's, he's doing what he can now. You know, he's, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a Konechny hater, but he's not, you know, he's not, he doesn't have the confidence to be a scorer right now that he needs, you know, it's just like, what are, you know, we're, we're going to sell this season and what other than Giroux, what, what even high value, you know, assets do we have? I, don't, I just don't, I don't. I'm not excited about the return any of those guys are going to bring other than other than G like I said. Yeah, I think you will get a um a sneaky good return for uh Justin Braun just because uh like thinking about what what the Flyers got and what, say what you will about Hextall, he was excellent at extracting value from trades. So maybe you don't get this, but you know, we got uh Radko Gudis and the first round pick that became Travis Konechny for uh for Braden Coburn. So like, I think you can get a sneaky good return and for, uh, for Justin Braun. What was that? Braden Coburn wasn't even Braden Coburn. I said Braden Coburn wasn't even as good, you know, at his peak at that point, you know, he was all the way down. So yeah. Yeah. And you're breaking up on me a little um, bit. But Dan, one thing I can't I'll hear you. I'm sorry, Dan, I had to cut you off there. It was, uh, it was getting a little wonky, the, uh, the audio, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think they can get a, a sneaky good return for Braun. Obviously we're all looking forward to seeing what they get for Giroux, uh, Risto. Hopefully they just make up some of what they lost with Risto line. And, and then from there, you know, it, it, like what's killing them now is like guys like Derek Broussard not being in the lineup and, you know, maybe they get something from Martin Jones. He looked good tonight. Uh, maybe he's getting ready to get hot again. Another start or two before the deadline. Uh, maybe a few more, who knows, because of, um, uh, because of this Carter Hart eye infection and uh, you get him in some scenarios where you think he can play well, try to get a little value out of Martin Jones, but uh, yeah, uh, Keith Yandel using him on the power play, like three minutes of power play tonight. Power play time tonight for Keith Yandel, 3.09. No other uh, – Sandheim had 23 seconds, Provorov had 30, Risto had 21 seconds. That's a waste. They have to believe they can get something for Keith Yandel if they're going to keep putting him out there uh, in those situations. Like, th- that's all there is to it. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. Can you hear me? Yeah, how are you doing tonight, Jeremy? Good. I actually haven't been watching the show, the games because of uh, work, but like I do love your show. I just actually have two questions for you, and one of them I'm hoping you post to the rest of the BHS crew is: after the season, how much do you think Drew has left in the tank? Like, does he go for a cup run and maybe one more year retire? Like, he's done some harder miles than both Crosby and Ovechkin. You think maybe he's coming back within the next two years as a uh, coach for the Flyers? Uh, uh, coach, I don't know. I, he just seems like uh, 
man, his production hasn't fallen off that much. Like, is it at the top end that it was in his prime? No, but uh, since he's come back from the injuries, he's kind of even evened out as a three quarters a point a game player, and you know he can improve a power play wherever he goes, even a second unit. So. I think Giroux's got a lot left in the tank. Uh, maybe not as an elite player anymore, but he's better than most of the players in the league. Like, he still is. I think he's got a, quite a bit left in the tank. I could see him getting another three, four-year contract in free agency this year. Okay, yeah, that's all I was worried. Like, I thought about it the other day. I'm like, you know what? I can see him possibly just going, maybe being a mercenary for two years on teams, running for the cup, and then – you know, I'm going to go back to Philly as a coach and win a cup as the coach. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I don't know what his uh, his ideas about coaching are. Um, I don't know what kind of coach he would make. But, yeah, like, say he wins in the next year or two, he might think about hanging it up just because, okay, he did it, and that's what that's what he had left to accomplish. Like, if that's – if he feels that that's one thing left on his, uh, on his bucket list, crosses it off, maybe he'd be done, but – just in terms of the the player he is, he's still pretty damn good. So I don't know. Unless he falls off a cliff in the next couple of years, it's not like anyone's going to be begging him to retire. Okay. And the other point I was going to ask was what the tanking pool, what faith do you have in this organization to draft top end talent? It's been Carter Hart and then Sean Couturier and Drew before that in the last 15 years. Yeah, uh, very little. And that's, that's part of the reason you, you really need them to lose as many games as possible. So they have the best possible chance of nailing it. Like the more options they have, the better chance there is to get it right. And they're bound to at some point. Uh, that's, you know, they like they can't keep fucking up forever. All right. Thanks. Uh, love your shop. All right. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Thanks a lot. Uh, let's go to Chris Krochak. Chris, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How's it going, man? How are you tonight, Chris? I'm all right. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the defense again. Uh, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm really starting to get concerned about Provorov. I mean, he – I think he's starting to have more bad seasons than good ones, and I feel like at the end of every other game, it's him just smashing his stick on the bench because he made, like, a costly turnover. I mean, he just looks like a shell of himself, and uh, – I don't know what happened because it's really concerning me. Yeah, like my thought is this is kind of a shit year for everybody and um, he'll level out as like a decent enough second pair defenseman. But it's fair to question whether he's even that Uh, like he just hasn't. It's two years in a row now. He just hasn't looked very good at all. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like. I think they need to move on from one of him or Sanheim. And at this point, I think you get more for Provorov. And there's a better chance that Sanheim is what he is right now or better uh, than there is with Provorov. Yeah, it's funny because I used to be more of the Provorov fan. I was a little harder. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't really think Sanheim was going to be much. But <laughs> you're, you're completely right. He's he's playing like the best defenseman on the team right now. He seems to have the most consistency and upside at the moment. And I think Provrov, just the name Provrov is going to get you the most in a return, uh, just based on, like you said, the minutes he's logged. And some team is going to give him like that Andrew McDonald treatment. Like, oh, he plays top minutes on a shit team. He must be good. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, we're, 
we're at 418, 419 career games for, for Provorov. Like, who gets considerably better at this point? He kind of, like, I would love for him to start looking like the Provorov we saw, uh, you know, 2017-18 paired with uh, paired with Ghost. 2019-20, uh, uh, that, uh, that first year under um, – Jesus Christ, Elaine Vigneault, my God, I can't believe I forgot his name that quickly. Uh, but, like, we're talking about that's really it in terms of when he's looked very good. You know, his rookie year, he looked good for a rookie considering the spot he was in. And, you know, he's playing with McDonald and all that. But it's not like he lit the world on fire. Uh, so we're talking about, like, two and a half good seasons. Yeah, like, he, I mean, he's definitely got some flashes of talent. But you're right. Like, I think – he was the number one defenseman by necessity on, on our team because we didn't really have anyone else. So, you know, he was able to hold his own at an early, you know, at an early age in the, in his career. And and I think we were just kind of, I don't know, tricked into some fool's gold. Um, second question I wanted to ask you and uh, on the defense is uh, why, why do you think they're being so cryptic with Ellis's injury? Um, because they, he, Left the lineup, comes back for a game, and then they're like, it's six to eight weeks. And then when they gave that midseason press conference, they're saying things like, oh, it's not career-threatening. He might play this season. He might not. I mean, why are they being – like, Sean Couture, but back surgery, out for this season. They just told us. I mean, is, do you think there's some like something else going on here that we don't know about? I mean, it definitely could be. Uh Maybe he's just a more private guy. You know, last year he suffered an injury and it was like widely, uh, widely believed to be, I think, a shoulder. And then he said when he got here, like maybe in his first introductory press conference or in the preseason or something, he was like, no, I shattered a knuckle. I don't know where the shoulder thing came from. And like, who knows what's true, but maybe he's just a private guy. Maybe he's I, I don't know. It's. It's concerning though because like we're talking about this defense, what do they what do they have for next year? Like you have to stay yes, you can go 10% over in the off season, but like you have to get to the cap by opening night and they need a lot of really good players. How can they afford them if like they don't know if their number one defenseman is healthy? They have to pay their number one defenseman. He counts against the cap at least to start the season. Like it there's so much there's so many question marks. Like at this point I am and this team needs talent everywhere 100%. I am more concerned about the defense than I am the offense. I think they can piece some things together to make the forward group good if Couturier and Hayes are healthy. Uh, defense, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. I completely agree. I mean, there's teams that definitely win with the score by committee mentality, but if you don't have a defense, man, you are you're not going to make the playoffs, let alone sniff them. And, yeah, so I, that, that's all I was wondering just because, man, if you if you can't even forecast – what you got next year. I mean, that's a big problem. I'm hoping that he's just a private guy or I'm hoping it's the classic hockey, like UBI, LBI. We just don't want to let people know, but I, I'm getting flashbacks to like Mike Rathke. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really concerning for a guy who's missed a lot of time in his career. And now he just has this injury that he might not like, I would assume he's not coming back this year. That's the best guess I can make, but like, 
2019-20, he played 49 games. Granted, it was like a 69-70 game season, depending on who you played for, but he missed a decent number of games. 2020-21, 35 games out of 56. Like, he played four this year. We're, we're into the 50s. Uh, 2017-18, he played 44 games. Yeah, he, he's missed a lot of time in his career. He's never uh, – no, one time he's played 82, uh, but he's missed uh, big chunks of games and more seasons than he has in the NHL. Yeah, and it's it's really concerning that the best eye for defensive talent in the whole league in Nashville trades him to us kind of for pennies on the dollar. I'm, I'm thinking that might be a little telling. Uh, yeah, it's – um, they seem to know. You know, we all laughed at the uh, – We've all laughed at them multiple times, and they've turned out to kind of know what they're doing. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the hell happens. But the Ellis thing is as big a concern as any with uh, with this team right now. Yeah, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed because I was sure excited when they got him. I think when he's healthy, he's still one of the best, you know, 25 guys uh, on defense in the league. So uh, fingers crossed, and uh, thanks, Bill. You have a good night, man. Thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, uh, like – I. I don't know. I do not know what to make of the Ryan Ellis situation, and it could be the uh, it could be the biggest determining factor of whether this this next off season is successful or not. Like they don't have a top pair right now. There's there are there are zero guys who are top pair defensemen on this team if Ryan Ellis isn't healthy. And based on the last few years, you know why should we expect him to be? like he hasn't played a full season since 2018-19 and the two years leading up to that he missed a bunch of bunch of time yeah he he misses a bunch of time every year Uh, whatever i guess they'll figure it out they are the flyers they have that blank check to spend uh johnny dyer johnny you're the last caller tonight how are you johnny you're muted johnny dyer once twice all right uh, let's see here. Okay, Hunter Moyer just joined us. Hunter, you're live on the post game. Well, what's up, Bill? How are you tonight, Hunter? Uh, not bad. I haven't been here in a while, but that's because I just don't care. Uh, it's gonna piss me off next year if if since they had that whole press conference with truck with Chuck and Dave that they said they weren't going for a full rebuild. It. I don't want to say I'm gonna be pissed. I just won't watch next year if they're fucking bad again because. You said it yourself. What do they have next year in defense? And that's the like, okay, they're going to try this thing. Basically, they're telling us we're going to try to sign Johnny Goudreau. We think if Hayes and Couturier are healthy with him and maybe we get a few other pretty good players, like we can make this thing work. That's what they're telling us. So if they're just like mediocre to worse next year, like even if they're not uh, this bad, if they're just like eh to bad – they then have to rebuild, right? So we lost a whole year of trying to figure Our out dead. that. And we have way more, like we have a bunch of long-term contracts we then have to get out from under. Because that's how you, like, what, like, yeah, you can always trade a Johnny Goudreau or something. But, like, are they going to want to? And, like, the defensemen they're going to have to bring in to help fix this team. And any, like, second or third line players that they're going to have to overpay because that's how free agency works. Like, all of a sudden, you're back in the Hextall situation where you have to dig out from cap hell just to get back to even before you can even start the rebuild. Yeah, I don't know. I've just I've I've never been so deflated. <laughs> 
to to watch a game. But I, I don't even watch. Like, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I just don't watch them. Uh, and I mean, that's why. That's why I just really don't. Bad. I I can't remember. I haven't watched a game since December, if I'm being honest. And that's just because I. That's why I don't come in here. I just there's no reason for me to bitch when nothing is fixed. And <laughs> I'll it's see you hard. Later, it's, thanks a lot, Hunter. No, and it's it's really hard to have confidence that uh, that they're going to fix this because it's the same people who who built the problem. Now, quite a bit of blame can be put on Ron Hextall for where they are organizationally, but you know, all the scouts are the same. We have a bunch of these coaches, you know, develop uh, heads of player development, like all this shit. It's, it's the same Ron Hextall and Chris Pryor, are the only ones who are gone. Like we've been through this in post games before. So I don't really, uh, I don't have confidence that they're going to be able to figure this thing out. I hope they can. Because, goddamn, we're watching anyway. I, I want to watch a good team. I would love for the Philadelphia Flyers to be good. I want to see a parade one day. Uh, but, man, they stink. And looking at the situation they're going to put themselves in, it's going to either really work out or be a complete fucking disaster. And what hasn't been a complete fucking disaster for the Philadelphia Flyers in the last, you know, 30 years basically so all right that's it uh, that's all for me mr sunshine and rainbows thank you all for listening thank you for hanging out uh if you haven't already you've got to hit that subscribe button search broad street hockey wherever there are podcasts and boom content 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 uh fly purbly bsh radio which we are recording tomorrow uh for all of you uh we'll have that up uh, checking out the competition, Flyers forecast. We have so much stuff over there. Don't take my word for it. Subscribe to Broad Street Hockey wherever you find your podcast. And, hey, leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. It's the nice thing to do. Do it, goddammit. All right, my name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, everybody.